0: You're listening to How To Catholic, episode 17 How To Jane Austen. More Than Mr. Darcy, with Beth Shree. Hey, everybody. This is Lisa Cotter. And I'm Kevin Cotter. And we're your co hosts here at the How To Catholic podcast where our goal is to help you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Lisa, your host here with my friend Beth Shree. We're going to be talking about how to Jane Austen today, and I'm so excited about that because I love Jane Austen and I love Beth. This is so great. So Beth and I, we've been friends for 15 years now.
1: Yes, Yes. you were Paul's babysitter, and he's 14 (laughs) now, so yeah. Oh, that's a good way of of being able to think it through. Exactly, link it to a kid.
0: (laughs) Link it to a kid, yes. And so a little history on Beth and I here. The first way I knew Beth was as my professor's wife. So she is the wife of Dr. Edward Shree. And Ted, I think when I was at Benedictine, I think every semester I had at least one class with him.
1: Oh, lucky duck.
0: I know. It It was like the goal. You had to have at least one Dr. Shree class. And we were blessed to be mentored, Kevin and I, by the Shrees when we were at college. So we were there at their house sometimes, hanging out, babysitting. Like Beth said, in fact, Kevin's first diaper he ever changed was Paul Shree's diaper. Awesome, <laughs> yeah. awesome. So I'm grateful for that skill. Thank you for any time. Oh, if, if you need a
1: refresher, come on over. <laughs> right. I think we've got it now. <laughs>
0: So one of my one of my memories, my favorite memories of hanging out at at the street house during college was Beth has a deep love for Jane Austen. And she's the first person who introduced me to Jane Austen. I think I I kind of knew who Jane was, but I hadn't really. And shame on me. I was in college by now. I hadn't really heard of Jane Austen. And she had this movie night to watch all five hours of the Colin Firth version of Pride and Prejudice. And I showed up an hour late, which was a huge mistake. Because I had no idea what was going on. All these characters had been introduced, and I was so lost. And then I left early, so I didn't even see the end of the movie. And at that moment, I was like, I don't get it. Why does she love Jane so much? (laughs) Because I was a little bit lost in the movie, and there were too many characters and things. So then finally, it was when I was pregnant with Mary Claire, and my husband actually went down to... E.W. Chan to do a show. I, I, it was, I think, the Marion show, maybe? Right, or the, the
1: Men, Women, Mystery of Love show. Yeah,
0: something. Yeah. And he was one of the students in the classroom, and Dr. Shu's up there teaching. And, and so he's gone, and I'm like eight months pregnant. And so I'm like, I should watch Pride and Prejudice from the beginning. Like, I should try this again. And I don't know if it was a pregnancy hormones or what, but... I watched all five hours because I was by myself at home, probably on a VHS, because we didn't even have internet at home. We were so poor (laughs) at that time. Kev was in graduate school. And I watched it straight through. And I'm like, I get it now. (laughs) This is so good. (laughs) So I finally finally understood my my Jane Austen. Um, So ever since then, Beth and I have had great conversations about Jane. And I thought, you know, we should just have a podcast on this because there's so much you can draw from Jane and her books and her stories and Beth. Beth is the resident expert here. Um, (laughs) I I want you to give a little bit of a sense of your history with Jane so the listeners kind of understand why you're the
1: perfect woman for this podcast. I just I just love Jane Austen. There's just something about this woman that lived 200 years ago. This year is the 200th anniversary of her death. Oh, yeah, so if you get to go to England today, I'm really jealous this year. They are doing it up big time Are they? So there's like Jane events Austin. going oh, on? yeah. Oh, uh, everywhere. Oh, oh that's yeah. so tempting. So anyway, high school, I was first introduced to it in my high school um, senior year literature class. And we actually went and saw the Sense and Sensibility with Emma Thompson that year. And that was my first introduction. Loved it. Went to the public library. Tried to get Pride and Prejudice. It wasn't there. I got busy. Uh, forgot wasn't at the library. I think someone else was oh, wanting it. They need so, more copies. Yes, yeah, it was Topeka Public Library. So oh, okay. maybe they didn't have as much. Anyway, um, then it was when I was pregnant with Madeline. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I went to something similar to what Lisa's experience was. Someone just getting together with the girls, watching. The five and a half hour Pride and Prejudice, and I was so hooked. <laughs> oh my goodness! I think I took the VHS home that day and sat down with Ted the next day and made him watch it with me again. <laughs> again, <laughs> I was just so taken in. So with we're it. talking
0: eleven hours in, yes, like a in one hour weekend.
1: <laughs> it was so awesome. It was the original so awesome. binge. That's what that yes, is. Totally and completely. And ever since then, I mean, right after that, I just took off. I watched every movie. I read every book. I did a deep dive. And so it was just, it's always been there. And then, um, and I kept doing the party with Lisa and any other young woman I could find. And then my dear husband for Christmas two years ago surprised me with a um, trip to England. And we did the whole... (laughs) Jane Austen pilgrimage yes yes. we visited her home and we visited Bath and we visited Winchester where she's buried and the places she had stayed in London and oh it was wonderful Best I would love Christmas to do it again ever. Yeah, go husband. Oh husband my gosh, of the year right there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and it's not like I'm taking you to England. It's like I'm taking you to England, mm-hmm. like with a purpose. Yeah, you know? like oh, so. Yeah, I wish listeners. I wish you could see what what's right in front of us here. I'm gonna take a picture of it. But Beth brought over her kind of memory um, collage, collage yeah. with all of her memorabilia from the trip, and so we have it here as inspiration. We also have a statue of Jane Austen. Yes, the bust. Oh, bust. Yes. <laughs> I know. I love it. And our little mugs, our Jane Austen mugs that she has so we are we are jane is with us here um so I, i'm gonna put that in the show notes a picture of this because it's so fun it's got all these little you know, memorabilia and quotes and a little chronological map of her life and it's just awesome so so good yeah so and beth as you said continues to do the party and we just did it a couple weeks ago yep So we watched... It was Pride and Prejudice Year again, which I was was. excited about. Yes, indeed. Yes. So we recently just binged on it together again. So I thought this is the perfect time while it's fresh in our minds to to do a little... A little... Why should everybody love Jane Austen? Why should everybody read Jane Austen? So we've got here... Beth has put together three reasons why everyone should read Jane Austen. So if you've never read Jane, this you've got to read it. And even if you're a guy, this podcast is for you. We're going to get it there. Talk about why you need this even as a man. So Beth, tell me, what is the first reason why everyone should read Jane Austen?
1: Okay, Jane Austen and her works, especially her works, are ultimately relatable. I know it sounds crazy. This woman who lived more than 200 200- years 2000. That, would be Jesus. <laughs> that would be Jesus. 200 years ago. Um, she, what does she have to say to my life, right? Well, in her book, she wrote six books. Each of them focuses on a specific heroine. And in these heroines, ladies, you will see yourself. I promise you. Three of them, Emma, Catherine Moreland of Northanger Abbey, and... I'm blank. There's another one that's growing along the way. Oh, Elizabeth Bennett, of course. The other <laughs> one who changes. I know. And slowly. most people
0: when they think about Jane Austen, all exactly. they think of is Pride and Prejudice. But yes. they don't realize there's five more books. Yes. And yes. They're really good. And, and short story. Yeah. is right. Yeah. Right. Just Love and
1: well, the movie's called Love and Friendship. The the novella is called Lady Susan. Okay. There we yeah. go. Yeah. Um, and then that there's three of them that are solid as a rock, they're good to go. They are, you know, virtuous, and then you see how they're Fidelity to the virtue inside of them gets them where they they want to be, so it's, it's good stuff, but anyway, she's ultimately relatable because you can see yourself in these heroines in their mistakes in their thoughts and their dealings with others um, and they're just so real, all of her characters. Jane Austen delighted in the ridiculous, and she was a great study of human nature and the human person just within her own family, within her own society. And so she has – her characters are just so real, whether it's um, Mr. Collins, who's the the cousin in Pride and Prejudice. He's my favorite. Oh, my goodness. He's so over the top, just greasy and arrogant and just – uh, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Or if it's your your Wickham and Willoughby, those dashing young men who come along and just wow, they just have the appearance of all this goodness and they're just wow, they're kind of our ultimate player in oh, yeah. today's they're world. The snake. Yes, but you don't sense it right away. Um and, or Mrs. Bennett, Elizabeth Bennett's mom, who's just the ultimate spaz. <laughs> She's oh, I love her in the movie. Oh, Mr. You know she's just uh-huh. all over the place, and <laughs> my <she's>, nerves. <laughs> I know she's awesome, but we see these people in our lives around us. You know they may be our friends, our sisters, our brothers, our cousins. You know just people at the grocery store. We we see them all the time, and they really are just just present. And so when we read about them, then we're able to spot them. We're able to kind of just know how to proceed in our lives relating to these characters. Um, also, just the drama. We can relate to Jane Austen because Mm -hmm. of the drama that her heroines and the characters are going through. They're asking the same questions that we're asking today. You know, where is my life going? How is this all going to come together? Will I get married? Who will I marry? What's happening in my life? You know, day to day, it seems like I'm doing the same thing. What's my direction? And then we see how it all, boom, there it is. Um, In story form, in... 200 years ago, they were grappling with the same issues.
0: Yeah. I mean, the human condition doesn't change. Right. You know, it's obviously it looks different now, but that doesn't mean that I don't have the same thoughts and feelings and processes that they did back then. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love it because I do it with an English accent. Me too. <laughs> then everything's better with an English accent it's in my world. so true. Even Siri. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Set your Siri to... <laughs> The British
1: version. That's right. The British version. You'll love it. You'll
0: instantly feel more cultured. (laughs) So true. Yeah. So who of all the characters then that are, I mean, they're all relatable. I agree. So many times when I read the books or I watch the movies, I sit there and I'm like, oh, that's so me right now. Or, oh, that's so my friend right yes, now. And yes it kind of helps me know how to advise sometimes even.
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: I know what's coming. If you go out with Wickham, I know right, what's going to happen. Right. Bad things, man. Bad things. Bad things. Yeah. So which of the characters do you think of the characters are is your favorite, do you think?
1: Oh, golly. What a hard question. I know. I I would have to say Eleanor of Sense and Sensibility. Mm -hmm. She's always been my favorite. Maybe it's just Mm -hmm. because she's the firstborn daughter who's trying to hold it all together. Mm -hmm. And she's so patient yet so strong. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't really doesn't know how it's all going to work out because her her brother didn't step up and do what he was supposed to do and mm-hmm. her mom and her sisters are feeling the consequences of it and then she falls in love with someone and it looks like it's going well but then it doesn't and she doesn't know why but she still just keeps plugging along mm-hmm. and I'm not going to spoil it but it's awesome mm-hmm. yes I just love Eleanor.
0: Yeah, and I, what I love about Jane Austen as well, I feel like a lot of modern chick flicks, you can kind of predict the end. But Jane, the first time I read through them, like she had me on my toes. Yes. like I really thought like, oh, and she's going to marry that person. And then you're like, what? Wait, no. Right. <laughs> like, What's going on? Right. Yeah, so I, it's a fun read because you can't just predict the end. And mm-hmm. so we don't want to give the ends away because we want you to go read right. them. Right,
1: absolutely. But I will say my first experience in watching the Pride and Prejudice long version I was shocked yeah at, at the oh, mi- yeah. I'm not gonna spoil it at the end of episode three oh, I was just as surprised as Elizabeth Bennett was yeah I really was <laughs> I did not see it coming yes oh and I love that because it's I not know. very often that
0: you you get that sensation and which is I'm so sad there's only six books because I'm like I know I can never you know I can never go back <laughs> I, can I never, know like, have that initial experience of mm-hmm. a Jane Austen um novel so what do you do Okay. So reason number one, it's relatable. And I totally agree. I totally agree. We can all put ourselves in those stories and the power of story I think is something that we don't often think about, but to be able to read through a story, put yourself in there. It just helps us to understand our own lives and comprehend. So that is reason number one, why you and everyone should read Jane Austen. Okay. So what is reason number two?
1: Number two is because they are oozing with virtues. Mm. So many of her characters, you can just see when they're doing something virtuous, when they're not doing something virtuous, just how it all kind of comes back together. Um, In every book, there's kind of a what I like to call an aha moment Mm -hmm. where there's some revelation and they realize something. And at that moment, they have to choose. Mm -hmm. It is this intense moment. And I think we all have this in our lives. Certainly many of the saints had this in their lives where all of a sudden, whether it's a truth that comes up or, um, or just something they realize about themselves Mm -hmm. and then they have to decide, am I going to go towards this in the right way with virtue Mm -hmm. and do the right thing? Or am I going to back away and just be happy with where I've been before? There's another way of looking at it too. And that is, um, in a lot of, in a lot of these aha moments, we have to decide, are we going to allow the desire that we have to shape our reality or are we going to go for the true version of reality? Mm. You know, cause mm-hmm. I may want this person to be my, my husband, or I may want mm-hmm. to be in this relationship or I may want this thing, but at certain points, things become revealed to you. You have to decide, is that true is that mm-hmm. good? Is that beautiful? Is that what I'm gonna go for? Yeah. Or am I gonna settle for a counterfeit?
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, like you can like get the like lesser twisted version right. that's not as as good. Um, right? or sometimes not even good at all. Right. <laughs> and
1: two, just how her heroines all are presented with difficulties. I mean being being a woman in England two hundred years ago. You didn't have the options and opportunities that we have today. Um, It's a very different kind of society. In many ways, it was beneficial because you knew exactly what a potential suitor meant. I mean, there's a whole language involved in using a fan yeah. at balls. You know, <laughs> if you had it a certain way, it meant this. If you had it a certain way, it meant that. You know, and you really could only talk with a man in a ballroom. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very different than today. And in, in some ways, I think it's a breath of fresh air to think of things like mm-hmm. that. But at the same time, if you weren't being pursued, you weren't being pursued. You mm-hmm. know, you were just there waiting. Um, but at the same time, when something would come up, you, you could choose your reaction to it. And just like us today, when something happens, when we realize something, you know, maybe we see a fault in one of our potential suitors and we realize that that's not something we want in a future husband. We have the ability to choose Mm -hmm. to continue in that relationship or take a break, take a step back and kind of reroute. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I think I sometimes romanticize that era a little bit when it comes to dating and relationships. I'm like, oh, it just looks so easy. Like you just went to a party and somebody was like... I'm going to risk asking you to dance with me, <laughs> you know, and like, and, you know, they just kind yeah. of showed up at your house to call. And <laughs> now it's a lot of ambiguity, a lot of uh, confusion, but I, I think both of them have their drawbacks and both of them have their positives. Right. And so, right. But the human condition stays the same, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> the heart still has its same experiences. And, um, so yeah, I, I think I have to kind of remind myself sometimes it probably wasn't as, um, perfect as i try to imagine right. that it was. So how do we how do we learn from that and how do we live in that now in this era right now? Right. So. So okay, there's something interesting too you mentioned one time um about the feminine genius and how that fits into all of this virtue. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Well, um feminine genius yeah, what away. is that? We
0: should probably explain that.
1: <laughs> um, a feminine genius, at least, and I, granted, I am not as well studied as I think you are and my husband are on JP2 and, and all of his wonderful gems that he's left us. Mm-hmm. But to make the world more of a human place and to keep the world mm-hmm. from falling, um, the the Austin heroines, and I would likewise say all women, have this innate ability to just kind of be holding the reins on you know what is acceptable in our society, mm-hmm. and so by by um, by kind of keeping keeping things where they're supposed to be. Um, for instance, like I mentioned before, in *Sense and Sensibility*, Eleanor and Marianne's brother did not live up to what he was supposed to be doing. I won't spoil too much of it because it's in the very beginning of the novel. But basically, on their father's deathbed, he charges his oldest and only son to take care of his second wife and the daughters that were flowing from that. So this, the oldest son was from the first wife. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the oldest one, John Dashwood, is like, oh, sure, I can do that, no problem. He's inheriting everything. He's inheriting Mm -hmm. the estate, the money, the wealth, the land, everything. Um, The title... But then his wife, Fanny, mm-hmm. oh, she's one of those people you love to hate, was just like, no, your father didn't mean to give them that much money. No, 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 your father, no, I think you're being too generous, and talks him down basically to an occasional gift of meat or game, you know. and, and it just, Every woman's dream. I know. Oh, it's so sad. It is. So, so Eleanor, in so many, respo- so many respects, in the novel itself, um, is still treating him with what he is due as her brother and as a sort of protector, mm-hmm. but he's not their beneficiary. He's not the one who's really invested in them. Um, but just the way that she treats him mm-hmm. always kind of pricks his conscience a little bit. Mm-hmm. He, he always kind of, and, but then he, he, he's such a, a weak character in the end in terms of his virtuous strength that he always kind of backslides a little bit and, mm-hmm. and, and is able to talk himself out of what he should have done and justify it. In his mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And for all you Janeites out there, you may be thinking, oh, you're reading a little bit too much into this. But that's just my own take. (laughs) All of this is my own take. I do not purport to be a literary expert here. But I do adore Jane Austen.
0: Yes. But that's what I love about it is that you can so deeply think about it. And you can come pull out the virtues pull out out the way... I mean, so many of her characters embody the feminine genius. Yes. And we need examples. Mm -hmm. We desperately need examples. And I know when I watch the movies, it challenges me personally because I'm like, oh, I would not have handled that situation like that. (laughs) Totally. I I totally would have gone off on them or I would have, you know, I I would not have held my composure. I would Mm -hmm. not have taken the higher road. And it's just beautiful to see their... um, I don't know if restraint is the right word, but you know, they're properly that emotions, right? They happen to us, right? Like passions, they happen to us, but it's beautiful to see how they don't allow those emotions, passions to get twisted. And instead, they can use it and direct it in a way that is so virtuous. And I just learn a lot. And
1: I think, oh, yeah, I could do better on that, couldn't I? (laughs) So true. I mean, really, Jane Austen's works are the virtues in the flesh. Mm -hmm. We've heard. We don't know for sure, obviously. But in her childhood, she had free reign in her father's library. Her father was a clergyman. Mm -hmm. So she was homeschooled. She did go away to school for a couple years. But Mm -hmm. essentially, not exactly as we would know it today, homeschooled. But she... um, We know that she likely read Thomas Aquinas. She likely was very familiar with Shakespeare. You know all the things that she took in in her youth can't come out in her writings, Mm. but not in a flashy way. She was Mm -hmm. a a very devout Christian. But do we see that, like, overtly in her novels? Maybe in some clergymen, for better or for worse, you know? But
0: <laughs> Mr. <yeah>. Collins. <laughs> right. She probably knew right. a Mr.
1: Collins or two. Exactly. I mean, with her father being a clergyman, of course she uh-huh. did. In fact, some people criticize her for her, her, some of her portrayals of the clergyman. But they're not all bad. Edmund in mm-hmm. um, Mansfield Park mm-hmm. is a very good, good clergyman. So they're, they are there, but they're just, wow. Just the world she painted. I mean, mm-hmm. we really, you really feel like you can just walk right into it. And there's some movies, Lost in Austin, where you the, the character jumps in there. I think that's a really funny movie. But oh, not, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, it's a little goofy, but <laughs> but it, it serves a point. You know uh-huh. what I mean? That there is you you just real really feel like you can learn from these characters, relate to them, and just mm-hmm. yeah, they're like your yeah. sisters, your your buddies you talk with yeah. you. Turn yeah. Two.
0: Yeah, and like she wasn't overtly Christian, like in the way that she talked, uh, you know, in her novels, like you don't get that. But it still points to what is good and true and beautiful. Yes. And that can't help but point back to to Jesus and to our Lord. You know, so mm-hmm. that's what I, I love about it is you can, even if you're not looking at it with a religious lens, it can't help but point back to our Lord and can't yep. help but point back to our desire for what is good and true and beautiful.
1: Totally. So. And you can even get online and read some of the prayers that she wrote. That she would read for her family. They're kind of a, a night prayer, oh, of sorts. Which they're just so telling. There's one on my board here. Okay, but just wow, the depth. Is there like a, relationship a website for with that? Christ? I just, if you just Google prayers okay. of Jane Austen, I think there's a book called prayers of Jane Austen Then I'm not sure. Is it? So you want to find it from a good source. Okay. We can put it in the show notes.
0: Yeah. We'll find something in the show notes. Yeah. I want to pray with Jane Austen. Yeah. In her prayers. Oh, I love that. She's yeah. not a saint, but I'm like, other right. people's prayers still can inspire me.
1: Totally and completely. Oh, that is awesome.
0: Okay. So second reason why everyone should read Jane Austen is it, is filled with virtue and that points back to what is good, true and beautiful. And it challenges us to grow in virtue. So the third reason, our last reason here, why should everyone read Jane Austen?
1: Why should everyone read Jane Austen? Cause yes, real men read Jane Austen. That's yes, right. I said that
0: you heard it. Real men read Jane Austen. Yeah,
1: so men, this is specifically for you. If you want to get into the psyche of a woman. <laughs> Who
0: doesn't? What man doesn't?
1: Exactly. You read Jane Austen, okay? If if you, I know a lot, I know she's gotten this rap of being like chick flicks mm-hmm. or chick lit or, you know, you see girls with the bumper sticker or the tote bags that say, I heart Mr. Darcy. Okay, that's, it's so, just no, There's no. There's so, <laughs> so much more. So much more. So... Jane Austen, obviously, because she's virtue, virtue is universal, virtue is relatable, whether you're I mean, me as a woman, I can learn from a virtuous man virtue, you can learn virtue depending, regardless of, you know, if you're male or female, you can learn from whomever. But also just her pictures of manly men. In her novels, Mm -hmm. contrasted with her not-so-manly men Uh in her novels, you can gain a lot from that. Okay, let's take Mr. Darcy, okay? okay? He, for instance, he starts off as this smug, kind of of full-of-himself character that Elizabeth Bennet loves to hate, Mm -hmm. and she does. But then she calls him on it, and by the end of the novel, he takes that to heart, And he changes Mm -hmm. and he's so grateful to her for it. And they, at the end, they're just such a great couple. They really compliment one another. Um, There's just so much that men can get from Jane Austen. If you are able Mm -hmm. to dig deep and go there.
0: Jane reveals so much about the heart of a woman and her desires. And yeah, it's like a little secret window into how to deal with women.
1: Totally and completely. I yeah, don't,
0: yeah. I don't know why a guy wouldn't want to do that for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a good thing. And Ted and I will we'll talk about Jane Austen, and I always get excited when I see him reading a new a new one. He was reading Emma recently, which Emma's awesome. Mm-hmm. Hers that's probably the most complex of her plots, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just yeah. There's the more I read that one, the more I appreciate it. All of them, I just love, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, I think one of the greatest testaments, too, to the fact that Jane is just so, so deep is the fact that so many of modern chick flicks, although they don't always do it justice, right, are pretty much knockoffs of a Jane Austen plot. True. (laughs) It's like, and some of them are like completely honest and just clear about it, you know, clueless. Right. Totally, totally just a knockoff. And of course, you and I were just talking about this the first time we saw it. Didn't know that. Right. And then you're like, wait a minute. (laughs) This is not
1: what I thought this was. Yeah, that was really a trip for me to go back and watch Clueless after reading Emma because mm-hmm. Clueless was the epitome of my high school years. <laughs> you know, literally, it came out my senior year and my mm. friends and I would quote it and, oh, God help us. But it was yep. just such a hoot to watch it again and see oh, yeah. it. Oh, he's Frank Turtle, and oh, this and yep. oh, that. And, yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and
0: and there's so many versions, too, of Pride and Prejudice, I can't, I can't even... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I somebody's got to have a list out there. But I mean, there's like a Bollywood version of yeah which is there's, fun. There's but like Christian fun. one, um, you know, that's like from a Christian studio, or whatever. You know, that has the the lovely right. Christian, you know, background to it and things. Um, so it, could you give us? Will you put together in the show notes just like a list of which ones we should actually watch? Because there's a lot when you, you know, I sure. Even just like there's multiple versions of Emma. Like which, yeah, what are the best ones? Do you, right, you gotta. You could do that? Yeah, I I
1: could totally do that.
0: Okay, good. Yeah, it'd be fun. Good, good, good. Because, yeah, I think most people think of, when they think of Pride and Prejudice, they think of the more recent Keira Knightley one.
1: Right. Which is missing so much. There's a lot to love about that. There's a lot to not love about that. Mm -hmm. Personally, after I saw that 1995 is kind of my gold standard for Pride and Prejudice movies, Mm -hmm. um, and I recently did watch the Keira Knightley one again. Um, but it kind of messes with some of the subtleties of the storyline, mm-hmm. which I think takes away from the, the whole package. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, it's a basic skeletal outline, sure. But there's certain mm-hmm. things like the Lydia incident is such a major plot point. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of the, the hinge, the crux of, of so much of what happens. And that's maybe two minutes.
0: Yeah in yeah,
1: the Keira Knightley version yeah David, it's kind of like uh, oh
0: Lydia like well we knew she was that you know <laughs> it's like moving right, on right like, right right you know what that meant for like for mm-hmm. the rest of the sisters and what that meant for right. Mister Darcy and his involvement and, yes you know you miss all that
1: totally you totally miss all so that. maybe you folks you'll have to listen to this podcast watch a good one and come back and listen again <laughs>
0: yes it'll make more <laughs> sense to you for sure totally good good okay I'm excited for that list myself um So we'll get some movie recommendations up there um, for you uh, in the show notes. So, okay, let's recap real quick here. So three reasons. It's relatable. Everybody can put their life into a Jane Austen story, for sure. It shows virtue. Um, Yeah, hi, you want to see, like, some, like, self-soul revealing? Just read a Jane Austen book. Uh, And uh, real men read Jane Austen. So it's not just for the ladies. Men should definitely be reading it as well. Okay, so... On our podcast, we always do a little challenge for our listeners, something we want them to tangibly do because this is the How to Catholic podcast. And I hope you saw the Catholicity coming through here when it comes to virtue and things, all wonderful things that help us grow in our faith. And the fact that Jane points back to good, true, and beautiful, which points back to our Lord, which helps us grow in our Catholic faith. So how to challenge Beth, what what are you gonna challenge us to do?
1: Well, are you ready? Guess and what? Let's I know. read. Pride and Prejudice, or watch the five and a half hour version. Yes, reading obviously is preferred. Yes, but if you just can't do it, or you need to do it with someone, mm-hmm. the nineteen ninety five BBC mm-hmm. is the way to go.
0: That is that is the one to watch. Excellent, I love that challenge. That sounds like a fun challenge. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's I'm good happy stuff. to do that. I might have to pick a, another one to read because. Um, we just watched the five-hour version right. two weeks ago. It's, so it's true. Could have some moderation, unlike unlike you and Ted watching it back to back in one week. <laughs> he weekend. hadn't seen it. He had to be exposed. <laughs> That's true. It's, it's my did. mission in life: expose so people important. to Jane Austen. Okay. So, how to challenge everybody? Get out there, read Jane Austen. If not, you can watch the five and a half-hour BBC version. Um, and in the show notes too, I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to put up this picture of our lovely little collage here. Cause you got to see it. And Beth, if people want to learn a little bit more about Jane, is it, where would you recommend they go? If they like love, love Jane, Are there websites or like, what's your favorite resource there?
1: I personally enjoy, um, the Jane Austen center, okay. which is located in Bath, England. Mm. They, um, they send out a weekly uh, newsletter with all the newest Jane Austen things. Most of it is centered around England. I
0: love the fact that there's enough that they can send out a weekly newsletter. Oh, totally.
1: <laughs> totally. I used to have a Google alert on one of my email accounts for any time there was Jane Austen in the news and it would send me something oh, every yeah. day. There's something about Jane Austen. Oh my god! Something gosh. new being written. She's, she's awesome.
0: That just shows you the power of, I mean, this is 200 years ago. Right. And people still are writing about her every day. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. There's something there, people. If you have not fallen in love with or met Jane yet, you got you got to get on the bandwagon because there's definitely
1: something there. Stuff. And here's something else I wanted to just throw in there. I have a friend who says that reading rereading Jane Austen is like a tonic for the soul. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that you just kind of read once and then you go mm-hmm. on. For me, especially being a wife, mom of eight, something about just getting into it again it mm-hmm. just does something to me mm-hmm. you know it's mm-hmm. it's not just pure escapism it's mm-hmm. it's going somewhere with a purpose where mm-hmm. i can glean and learn and then Bring it back.
0: Mm, I love that. Not escapism. I agree. Yes. I agree because you certainly can binge on, even as a reader. Like my daughter's a verosis reader, right? Yes. She could just read, It's a, which it seems weird to be like, it's reading. Isn't that good for you? Yes. But like she just kind of gets lost in, in stuff sometimes in a way that, you know, you have to like bring her back. But this is like, there's like a purpose to it, you know? Like there's mm-hmm. there's something substantial there. It's not just mindless reading, but you can actually draw something from it. So totally. All right, y'all. You got to get out there. You got to read your Jane if you have not yet. I really hope this podcast has encouraged you to do so because it will change your life for the better. You can't say that about very many uh, authors, but Jane, definitely life changer. All right, Beth, thanks so much for being on the show today. This was so fun. Yeah,
1: thanks for having me, Lisa. Mm -hmm.
0: All right, God bless everybody, and we will uh, catch you on the next episode. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. We are so honored that you've given us your time. Show notes for this episode can be found at madetomagnify.com. And you can connect with me on Twitter at Kevin R. Cotter. And Lisa on Twitter and Instagram at Lisa Ann Cotter. That's Anne with no E. We'd love to hear from you there with any questions, comments, or suggestions for topics or guests. And would you do us a quick favor? If you've enjoyed today's episode, would you head on over to iTunes and rate the show for us? This helps us get the podcast out there to those who are looking for a show just like this. Until next time, be saints. It's worth it.